Hello and welcome to Circular Business Podcast, a series where we look into circular economy from the Indian context. I am your host and host Shri Priya Shridharan and you are listening to part 3 of our discussion with Kiran Pereira. Pair, we're going to dig deep on sustainable solutions to the global sand crisis. If you have heard episode 94 and 95 you already know that Kiran is the founder and chief storyteller at sandstories.org which is an organization that works to create awareness around the urgent need to manage our consumption of sand as a resource. They are literally trying to bridge the gap between science, policy and industry by identifying and promoting potential solutions to the looming sand crisis in part 1 and 2 we discussed problems and impacts of sand mining on our lives we even opened the discussion to understand the different ways in which sand interacts with each one of us on a day to day basis and also understand how unsustainable its entire mining ecosystem is today In part 2 we start discussing solutions circular solutions sustainable solutions to the various applications associated with sand majorly the construction sector which has the highest volume of sand that is utilized to so, problems discuss kar liye humne potential solutions discuss kar liye par action points to reh gaye right So that's what we're going to do in today's episode where we discuss and understand from Kiran what can you and I do to make an impact on this global sand crisis. We even talk in brief about her book Sand Stories and we also understand how we can take action today. So ladies and gentlemen without further delay Allow me to take you to part three of our conversation with Kiran. So, in rammed earth, wouldn't it be if, say, it gets adopted at a mass scale, wouldn't it have similar problems like the extraction of sand? No, because um, you often you would use the material that is. extracted at site in order to build at site so it would be minimal the cost of transportation would be minimal you would require labor and you would require uh, of course if you have technology then you can avoid labor but you know in i think one of the key benefits of rammed earth could be that you uh, use material that's extracted at, on site so there there are no heavies opaque supply chains and extended supply chains uh, uh, you eliminate that um the the downside to ram earth in in some situations is that it requires insulation in cold countries it's it's not uh, current building standards do not require some sort of uh, you know so so there's research happening there's a european 
uh, the EU-funded project called Coborge that, that is looking at uh, how they can add this insulation layer to to uh, Cob architecture. Yeah, so in in some some way, if we, if it it uh, reduces the consumption of sand that come from far off rivers, you don't know where. Some people choose to use stabilized dam dirt, which is which does use cement, um, okay. about five to ten percent cement. Others say that's not even required. You can build without it. Just compressed earth um, becomes strong enough. Interesting. I would I would much rather see them using five ten percent cement than <laughs> than a hundred percent concrete yeah. building, right? That would be a, a good starting step to then slowly exactly. making it to zero. Sorry, I just want to add one more. I think uh, when we talk about natural building techniques, many people believe that you have to it. It it's like as though you're living in a cave or something, <laughs> you know. These, uh, but I think these um, these methods have evolved. So now you can have really fantastic, snazzy-looking, modern-looking uh, buildings. So you know, with a very contemporary feel and aesthetic. So it's really possible to build using traditional uh, building methods, but in a contemporary style. And you know what? These constructions make a lot of business sense also. I will take an example from my recent Airbnb search. All the houses that are built in these farmlands or probably up in the mountains and those houses which have a sustainable construction, those were the most highly priced and people want to stay in those because it it just has that good feel to it, right? The construction and I'm sure the owners and the caretakers have taken good uh, they have probably planned it that way so I think it's sustainability is um, the misconception that sustainability has to be charity or donation is just old school I mean it's not the case anymore we can have business cases around it economies can run if only we start thinking from that perspective but on the uh, circular solutions for the construction industry, what, what according to you are some major challenges that today today that exist, which is stopping it from scale, scaling up? Um, lack of awareness, I think, is a big one. Um, it's, um, it's just, especially when you talk about sand, the only, only time we think about sand is when we are planning a beach holiday, beach. right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> There's no other time we think about sand. Um, so I think lack of awareness is definitely a big piece there. Um, I think sometimes regulation is archaic. It hasn't caught up to the times we live in. And the kind of uh, narrow window of opportunity that we have because of you know the uh, the climate emergency and the IPCC report and all of that, um, and so breaking down barriers, breaking down silos, uh, collaborating across sectors, I think is crucial. Um, otherwise, we could just uh, yeah, it, that's it, it's a definite it's definitely a huge barrier. I think. Okay, thanks for sharing that. I'm also trying to think now, uh, we we did talk about what 2050 would look like and uh, probably if the newer constructions make use of circular solutions, it, it is actually going to make it a better place to live. 
but what do we do of the embedded carbon of the existing concrete structures i'm sure at some point of time when the building is towards its end of life it has to be demolished or it has to either undergo repair and maintenance or probably there'll be a new structure that will come in place of that so do we have a technology that can probably extract sand from construction demolition waste or probably that waste can it be reused into newer construction 100% yes um so um let me think let, let me give you an example of zurich in switzerland you know and so in 2002 um uh, the city kind of did a pilot project they decided to build a public building a school building using 80% recycled uh concrete and that was very successful so in 2005 they made it mandatory for all public buildings to be built using recycled concrete in 2015 i think they also added the an additional clause that all public buildings should not only use recycled concrete but they should also recycled aggregate but also use uh, uh sem3 which is like the cement made using uh, blast furnace slag basically it's a very low carbon uh cement uh, and so now you find buildings that are like uh, art museums and schools and you know all other public buildings that are being built with 95 to 98% recycled concrete so it's 100 it's absolutely possible to do this you know and we we are already seeing it happen in many parts of the world and i think countries like india are on the right track for example in india in 2016 standards were updated to allow for the use of up to 25% recycled um aggregate in sand gravel in uh, plain concrete up to 20% in reinforced concrete but i mean think of the mismatch where it's possible to build with 95 98% recycled whereas india is still on 20 25% right so the kind of gap mm-hmm. uh, is huge yeah. we really need to pick up pace and and encourage um, i've also heard about authorities that have kind of refused uh, permission to install machines that can uh, crush and um construction debris and extract the sand and gravel i think it was at hyderabad airport if i'm not mistaken so the contractor was forced to demolish everything and send it to the landfill so regulation mm. is definitely a barrier because its technology proves it has evolved but regulation and standards haven't kept up and that's mm-hmm. a barrier uh you find wow. also that uh we don't have adequate codes for natural building techniques so then it creates uncertainty and um insurance players are you know thinking twice about insuring such buildings so these are the kind of uh problems that we need to fix does that answer your question yes it does i also wanted to add that um i think there are there's a indo norwegian cooperation collaboration happening especially for the recycled uh, sand and gravel i think there are projects happening in delhi in goa Uh so yeah it's quite exciting times so I I just want to see things pick up pace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't wait to see that either. I'm going I'm actually going to research on that and probably put those links in the show notes. So now the question comes to that book I see in the video behind you. <laughs> Talk to us about sand stories. <laughs> <laughs> 
share share with us like what led you to write that book and how the journey has been and if you could just uh, share with our listeners a brief about sand stories Oh, it's my privilege. <laughs> um, so that particular book, like I said, I I um, was learning so much each day, and I felt I had so much to say uh, that I could not do justice because before I sat, because before I decided to write the book, I used to write. I, I wrote for Limon Diplomatique. I wrote for you know several other project reports and things like that. But it was just like quite. narrow and limited i felt uh, there was so much i wanted to say and, and i felt i couldn't do justice by writing short blogs here and there and things so i wanted to uh, to to say something more substantial and that's how the book came about it took me a long time <laughs> especially because i contacted so many different stakeholders one thing i was very clear on before i started the book was that i did not want another a uh, book that was all about doom and gloom you know i i really as i shared i i really was quite distressed at the, at learning about the environmental harm that we are causing and i did not want to add to that feeling of disempowerment i wanted the book to inform audiences about the problems but i also wanted to talk about the solutions the potential solutions that are already that already exist and you know are, can be developed further Um so the book is divided into three sections. The first section talks about how deeply sand is embedded in our lives. Um it may come as a surprise for to people, you know, to to learn that what we use pigments in makeup, we use it in uh, you know like the white pigment titanium dioxide is used in some countries to whiten milk. Semiscure <laughs> milk. Wow. Oh to whiten milk. How white do you want it to be? <laughs> <laughs> because we're talking about semi-skim milk right and they want this oh. semi-skim milk to look as full bodied as whole milk um and so they use this pigment and if you trace back the supply chain it comes from places like madagascar where the old growth forests have been removed in order to get to the sand at the bottom and is like massive human right problems there uh, just like it's, it's there are huge problems there um So the second section of the book uh, talks about these impacts um it explores a wide variety of impacts but the third section of the book which is the biggest section uh talks about potential solutions across the world so yeah in a nutshell that's that's wow that's amazing and where can our listeners find your book and order your book and read your book <laughs> well in in i think the usual trade channels at the moment it's available on amazon and stuff like that i'm yet to work out deals with uh, uh, retail channels within india but if you if anyone of you of your listeners is involved in the publishing trade and can help me do that that would be very welcome um yeah so but if uh, listeners want to kind of uh, get a read a free chapter mm-hmm. of the book they can go to sandstories.org um sign up to the mailing list and the, you'll get a free chapter of the book chapter 3 i think yeah wow that's amazing and uh, to all our listeners uh, kiran has also self published her book so in case you're curious how that works feel free to reach out to her she she has definitely mastered it <laughs> thank you i did a crowdfunding campaign uh, to kind wow. of uh, yeah so i i raised over 10000 dollars and i was like yes 
amazing. <laughs> I can do this. That was awesome. Um, no, it was it was wonderful. Uh, so I'm really really grateful to friends and family and people I who I did not know who's who jumped on board and supported the cause. You know, I think this whole journey has been made possible because of them. I'm so grateful. That's amazing, and I'm sure you're just going to poof, scale up your impact a lot more. Now coming since <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> So we are nearing towards the end of our episode. I have so many questions. I think I'm going to email it to you and probably get them answered. But on an individual level, what can a person really do? And this I'm genuinely asking to even understand what can I do to impact this industry or probably reduce the impact of sand and kind of help help it this industry go more circular are there small actions that people can take that um, can result, lead to results yes I, I i would say yes uh, every one of us regardless of whether we are doctors engineers lawyers teachers activists whoever we are we use sand right whether we are aware of it or not whether we like it or not we use sand but despite the volume of use no, like very few people know about this. So I think raising awareness is, I think, the first step. Uh, and talking about this problem within our circle of influencers, so talking about it with friends and families. So if we know architects, for example, talk to them about whether they use circular building, uh, you know, construction methods, uh, or if not, why not? You know, like what, what are the barriers? Uh, what happens to the buildings at the end of their life? Because you'll be surprised to know that like financial hubs, hotels, uh, tourist hubs, they routinely demolish buildings because when trends change, when the owners change, they want to create a statement, you know, uh, market needs change. They simply demolish buildings and put it in the landfill. It's a tremendous waste of resources um, causing massive harm to our environment, right? So talk about these with architects, with who are, you know, talk about if you know teachers who are involved, you know, you can build science curriculum that that uh, teach children about this. So I think there's there's a role to play for whatever your gift is. Honor that gift and and see how you can uh, add value to this topic. Amazing, you know. While as you were saying that, another idea just struck me. I am actually going to reach out to a few of my civil engineering friends from my college and also understand how their curriculum has been. Was there even an element where they were informed that sand mining is unsustainable? So yeah, that can absolutely. be a great start to even transform absolutely. the curriculum. You won't believe. I mean, I, I can't tell you. I've spoken to geologists who say, what? This is a problem? We never knew. <laughs> Geologists. I've spoken, to, I've spoken to architects. <laughs> Civil engineers were like, what? Sand? <laughs> Surely there's so much sand in the Sahara. <laughs> ah. You know, so people really don't know. So it's very important to have these uh, conversations with, with our friends and family to raise awareness about this should be general knowledge. It should not be something that we have to create a conversation around. But unfortunately, we, we are in this situation. So we must. Totally. And um, yeah, I know there is one more, one little point that I wanted to clarify also. You did mention that even sea, beach sand is being used for construction, right? 
but isn't that um, beach sand is prone to corrosion right so doesn't it need cleaning wouldn't the building be weak if one uses that sand yes it needs to be uh, so the sand that is extracted from marine environments from from beaches and things like that need to be handled carefully they need to either be exposed to the elements where the rain washes away all the salt because it's the chlorine and it uh, i mean it's the the ions that can interact with the steel and corrode the steel yeah um, so yeah needs to be used okay. with care so that means even water becomes then an intensive resource in that kind of construction right definitely absolutely ah, it's just it's God. so it's so interlinked humans have just kind of uh, dug their own grave and they have no idea they're going to fall down i i i would still like to believe in humans so i think it's humans who can get us out of this mess here there's a popular saying called tragedy me comedy and this is just that i mean <laughs> i just feel like what is happening and i, I i'm sure this is one of the outcomes because of siloed approaches towards exactly and i'm sure everyone when they started off that business idea it was well intentioned right to make yes, it absolutely. a better place but absolutely. later it just turned out to be a mess i i think it's so important the point that you mentioned that we need to think holistically we need to think about the big picture when we implement solutions for example when we use plastic as a replacement for sand and gravel right that may solve a problem of waste collection and stuff like that but in the long run it can lead to microplastics which are generated and are leached into the environment and so if, uh, it can you know then they land up in the fish that we eat and it's just like <laughs> it's a yeah. huge uh, circle so we really really need to think about the big picture when whenever uh, systemic thinking is hugely important in when we talk about solutions absolutely i couldn't agree more with you could you also share some resources that or videos that help you on on the journey and probably some of the uh, young students who are listening to the podcast they can refer to that absolutely if you go to the uh, to the sandstories.org there's a special resources section that lists all the key um in the key resources that that uh, you know are important to know about I need to update that and add more but you'll find the most important ones there. Awesome. So that's a great start and I'm going to add all those links to the show notes. Uh, Kiran, where can our listeners reach out to you? Uh you'll find me most active on Twitter. <laughs> that's uh nice. sand_stories. I also on um Instagram at Stand Stories and International, I think. <laughs> don't worry, I'll find the link and put it in the show notes. <laughs> and Facebook, I don't use Facebook as much though, but yeah, yeah but I'm, Twitter I'm, and Instagram, LinkedIn. yeah, and yeah, and LinkedIn and LinkedIn. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Thank you so much, Kiran. This has been absolutely insightful, and I am really looking forward to. complete my reading of your book i did uh, get started on that and uh, so many queries and you please be patient with me i'm going to shoot you with a lot more questions <laughs> anytime thank you thank you so much for having me it's such a uh, i really enjoyed this conversation and such a privilege thank you thank you so much that brings us to the end of our conversation with kiran okay so here are some of my notes today the sand is valued poorly 
Therefore, it is linked with a lot of exploitation and creates a lot of barriers to adoption of sustainable technology and infrastructure. Something important to note and remember is that sand is a non-renewable resource, especially in human timescales. But we also need to be aware that the global construction industry is also responsible for about 40% of global carbon emissions. Just think of it, humankind has built 850,000 dams around the world rivers, which are already blocking sand's natural course of path. That's why it's no surprise that today humans have become a geomorphological force, trying hard to compete with nature, which is futile, right? We also did cover about how the word sand has got different references across industries. For example, sand and gravel are the most extracted solid substances on earth. Yet, every region, every industry application has got a different name and different, uh, different way it is referred to. Something crucial that we discussed in today's episode was that uh, the regulations around sand and its extraction are archaic, which needs evolution, which needs amendments. Only then can we properly implement the innovative sustainable solutions that exist today and at a scale at which mass adoption can happen. Next, which has been common throughout all the three parts, is that the awareness around unsustainability of sand is heavily lacking and that's where you and I can truly take truly make a difference so make sure to share this episode share this three all the three parts with friends and family and just start a discussion with them you never know what ideas might come in or something might just click in case you want to discuss this more with Kiran feel free to reach out to her in the contact links on the show notes. And make sure to check out the movie Sand Wars. Trust me, it is going to leave you dumbstruck. Yeah, for the lack of words, <laughs> that's what I could come up with. On that note, it's a wrap on this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Guys, we have reached 96 episodes. So yeah, four more to go before the end of this year. So thank you so much and I will see you soon in the next one.